You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Joel Snibson. Today's reading is from 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk, so that by it, You may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, This stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now... You are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I have an unnamed extended family member and every time when they order Chinese takeaway over the phone, my jaw drops. The ordering dinner and all of a sudden their language becomes broken. Rice becomes rye. And I'm like, what are you doing? It's kind of racist. Stop. But this is the thing. They don't mean to do it. Copying the person over the phone just happens. It's involuntary. And maybe you've done it, accidentally rolling your R's in front of your Scottish hairdresser. See, underneath this involuntary mimicking is something significant. Unconsciously, our behaviour is shaped by other people way more than we realise. Well, today we continue in our series, You Do You, where we're examining our culture's message of looking within to define our identity. 
And today we'll consider the limits of exclusively looking inwardly to define ourselves. If we are created for community and as Christians saved to be a people, maybe we need each other to work out who we are. Well, the problem with you to you is that we're a relational beings. In the 20th century, in orphanages in the UK and the US with insufficient staff, they were having incredibly high death rates among infants. Renee Splitz documented that in the 1940s, one out of three infants sadly died. See, the babies were all being fed and medically treated, but they were deprived of important stimulation, touch, affection, and it literally killed them. And this has formed our current science on the importance of bonding with skin on skin with infants. A lack of love is deadly. Think back to the COVID lockdowns in 2020 and 2021. We've all experienced something dehumanizing from physical isolation away from people. It changed us. Well, in our You to You series, we've been looking at Brian Rosner's book, How to Find Yourself and Why Looking Inward is Not the Answer. And he tells the story of a Christopher Wright, a guy 20 and wanting no human contact in 1990, he headed off with basic supplies and re-emerged from solitude in 2017, 27 years later being arrested from stealing from cabins in the woods. And reflecting on it, he said, I lost my identity. There was no audience, no one to perform for. There was no need to define myself. I became irrelevant. Who are we without the context of other people? The accidentally mimicking accents simply shows how our behaviour is shaped by others. In our conversations, we naturally copy the body language of others. Even our breathing patterns sync. And beyond a 30-second interaction over the phone, notice how in your marriage or close friendships, you are becoming just like them, in mannerisms, in values, in good and bad traits. See, as social beings, even our thoughts are not ours. You can think, sure, I need love, but surely my ideas are my own. Our culture has equated authenticity with being truly unique and original in my ideas. But what's humbling is that we are not that original and in reality, we are very much a product of our environment. In 1974, an experiment from the University of Washington called Loftus and Palmer, students watched films of traffic accidents and when asked to recall the details from the car accidents, those questioned with the word smashed witnessed the cars going significantly faster compared with those who were questioned with the word hit. And later on, when asked, did you see any broken glass, participants who were questioned with the word smashed reported seeing broken glass. There was no broken glass in the footage. This showed that leading questions can alter people's memories. David Brooks says that we are constantly taking in information, shaping our ideas, our thoughts, our identity. 
And most of this information we have no say in. And much of this information is from before we were born from our genetics, our families, our culture. And every single interaction, every conversation is new information shaping us. It's our subconscious that contributes the most to our identity, not our deep thinking or deliberate choices. We don't invent ourselves. We are shaped in a web of relationships. And you don't know yourself that well. So people who knew me would always tell me that when I'm stressed, I would blink quickly and I'd think, what are you on about? Until one day I was getting ready in front of the mirror, running late, I was all stressed and I caught myself blinking quickly and I'm like, oh no, it's true. I felt exposed. You may have heard of the Jahari window, it's on the screen. In the four quadrants in area one is things that I know about me that you also know about me. I like chocolate, pretty clear. But some stuff in number three is what I know about myself that you don't. It's hidden from you. But what's interesting is the blind area number two, the things that you know about me that I don't know about me, like me blinking when stressed, unless I'm in honest, loving community who tells me I'll never know. Rosner describes a study at a university campus regarding sexist comments. And half said they would call out sexist comments every time. But the study found only 16% actually spoke up. It's humbling how we don't know ourselves that well. We are often way overconfident because of really big blind spots. Maybe the lyrics from The Greatest Showman last week, no one can teach me who I am, should be everyone can teach me who I am. See, we know ourselves by being intimately known and loved by others. I recently saw a close friend who now lives far away and despite time and distance with 25 years of friendship, he still really knows me and I, I left our catch up feeling completely myself. Have you experienced in a crowded place with just a look, a glance, a wry smile, someone who knows exactly what you're thinking with nothing needing to be said? Whether a friend or a partner being so intimately known and loved that body language alone can communicate so much. So we feel ourselves when we're around those who know us best. Just as Knight described becoming irrelevant, being isolated from people for 27 years, we all desire to be taken seriously, to be noticed, be appreciated, to matter, or be remembered, to be really known. And this desire comes back to the God who created us. We're created for community. We believe in a God who intimately knows us and loves us, a God who is deeply relational in loving community within the Godhead. And in the beginning, in Genesis 1, verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. When God created Adam and said, it's not good for a man to be alone, it was because Adam was made in the image of a relational God. He was inherently created for community, for meaningful relationships with God and people. And every human since has been hardwired as a social creature 
designed to be intimately known and loved in relationship with others. You know, from COVID and lockdown years, even the most reclusive introverts became aware of their need for some community. At our core, we're relational. In God's story of salvation, we counter God's plan of saving our people for himself to reflect himself to the world. In the Old Testament, God makes a number of promises with his people called a covenant. This was a contract of relationship between God and a people, Israel. And like marriage, this contract required faithfulness and loyalty and accountability. With obligations on both parties to fulfill, there was a cost to be in this intimate relationship. And coming to today's passage in 1 Peter 2 in the New Testament, we see in Jesus we are saved to be a people. Look to verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. See, this comes back to God's original plan to save a people for himself. And here in verse 9, Peter quotes Exodus 19 from the Old Testament, where God makes this covenant of relationship with God's people. And he does this reminding them that he just saved them to himself by graciously parting the seas and sparing them from slavery in Egypt. God's plan to save a people to himself. Did God's people keep their end of the covenant contract? Well, no. Forgetting their identity and who they belonged to, they looked within. They followed the desires of their heart and failed to obey God and keep their end. But God knowing them and still loving them remained faithful. And Peter says that now in Jesus, God has made a new covenant with us. This offer of relationship coming at a great cost. Jesus dying on the cross. Yet Jesus rising again, God's glorious plan to save a people for himself continues. Just notice the corporate language. No me or I, we're saved to be a priesthood, a nation, a people. Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Jesus didn't save you for yourself, but for God's community. And despite all our diversity in Jesus, we're people with a shared identity and calling. Verse 9, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. See, our culture has made finding our identity in individual sport. And sometimes we can make Christianity, Christianity too much an individual sport. If the rest of my life was just me, my Bible, all alone on a desert island, from how I'm created, this would be damaging. And it would also be dangerous to my faith. I'm saved to be part of God's people. Let's have a higher view of belonging to the church. In verse 5, Peter gives us this image that we are living stones being built on Jesus, our cornerstone, into a spiritual house. If you go and see the opera house in Sydney, 
I bet that you don't look at any one individual stone or tile and think, oh, it's so amazing and unique and original. No, you marvel at the whole opera house, the completed structure built on strong foundations around water. Likewise, God is building us into his spiritual house. And while each individual brick is valuable, we're not the whole story. The focus is the whole house, our identity together, built on Jesus. And today in 2023, we're part of God's same plan to save a people for himself, continuing through us, the church. And as we're built together on Jesus, brick by brick, by the Holy Spirit to be his presence in the world, it shows our deep interdependence. We are cemented together, intimately interconnected, interreliant on one another on our common foundation. It's our web of relationships in Jesus that helps us experience our true self. But our problem is Western individualistic culture. See, Peter's image of being built together on Jesus goes completely against our Western individualistic culture telling us that authenticity is withdrawing and looking within. If your background is from a collective culture, this inward pursuit is not your default and you have much to teach us about community and our blind spots. But in our you-do-you culture, we want community, but on our terms. Tim described finding our self-made self as a DIY project, You might remember the video game SimCity, an open-ended city-building video game, and it was marketed, be the hero of your very own city as you design and create a beautiful, bustling metropolis. And through the gamer's preferences of infrastructure and transport, power, industry, players built a city, a community, completely on their terms. See, with us at the centre, we like to create community in our image. Firstly, with consumerist relationships. Besties, but on my terms. This looks like holding out on accepting an invite in case a better one comes along or in case I just don't feel like it on the day because we want options. There was a time that I actually gave up organising social stuff because of this holding out just in case mentality. Or relationships built on just returning the favour. You invited me over for dinner or looked after the kids, I'll do the same back. Consumerist relationships can be completely one way from what I get from them. Using people, always taking or always giving if we tend to subjugate ourselves for others' needs. And inauthentic relationships. Now something's only real if it's on social media. So there's this pull to create and build my identity on social media. Uh, When we went to Vietnam for our holiday, I posted this photo of Hannah at the beach playing with a local kid. And I posted this to share her cuteness, but I hesitated. This could have been received, I'm on a tropical holiday, you're not. I'm living my best life, you're not. And what this photo didn't show was just before this, the local kids were sharing snacks with Hannah. And when I offered them some of our snacks, she had a complete meltdown telling these generous yet disadvantaged kids to go away. 
not postable, right? So much of our interaction isn't authentic. And now it's been discovered that authenticity gets subscribers and likes. So there's this drive to create new ways of projecting authenticity and honesty. But we see the irony of this. It's virtue signaling. It's not authentic in every way. And we see intolerance ending relationships. See, this intergenerational community in our church is now really rare. Socially, there's huge divides across generations, economic backgrounds, and now with war, ethnicities. Building community on our terms has made us unloving, intolerant. Tolerance is dead. Particularly for millennials and Gen Z, we've reduced our community with people who are only like us and agree with us. Our friendships and online echo chambers are exclusive with people who believe all the same thing until they upset us over some minor point of disagreement and if you think this way, you can unfriend me. They're deleted and our community gets smaller and smaller. For me, knowing Jesus made sense, experiencing Christian community. What was formative in my faith, I picture in my mind this one coffee shop across the road from the church. I can still picture the coconut logs on the counter. This is where my faith went from black and white to 3D in colour. At this coffee shop, I experienced the joy of friendship, laughing till crying despite getting funny looks from others, where I first encountered truly belonging and acceptance in a diverse group. Not because I was cool enough or together enough, because of a shared loyalty in Jesus. At this coffee shop full of nerves, I debriefed after serving at church in new ways and received great advice as I followed others' example. At this coffee shop, my ideas sharpened and changed and I, I began to grapple with the hard things in God's word, working out what actually to believe about God around others. At this coffee shop, I experienced kingdom generosity when I couldn't afford the bill. At this coffee shop, I was humbled as community exposed my blind spots and times where my sin hurt others, receiving forgiveness, much patience, and tolerance. Friends, Christianity isn't only taught, but caught. What relationships have formed who you are? What could be now? See, each Sunday, seeing others prioritize Jesus and hearing others sing in unison and letting others use their gifts to minister to us, together we're encouraged to keep on declaring God's praises. In the web of relationships, we experience the bigger picture of God at work. Created for community, saved to be a people, interconnected as we're built together on Christ means covenant instead of consumerist relationships. Instead of community all on our terms, because of Jesus' covenant of faithfulness with us, we sacrificially serve each other using our gifts. We make and keep commitments because for the good of others, and we humbly allow others to serve us. I jarred a toe, and every other toe on my foot worked that little bit harder to elevate, elevate the one injured toe. 
Likewise, in Christ's body, when one part is weaker as God's interconnected people, we carry them for a time, and it's so encouraging to see this among our community. If knowing ourselves means being intimately known and loved by others, we're called to authentic relationships that are honest and real, where we drop the pretense and defensive mechanisms and share what's actually really going on. But also tolerant, strong relationships. Like in SimCity, I'm sure our church is 100% not the idealistic community that you would build. But we don't choose the other bricks. We are wonderfully random, intergenerational, and hopefully multi-ethnic, and our foundation in Jesus means covenant friendships that don't isolate from but draw near to people who are not like us and who think differently. We need each other to keep on declaring the praises of Jesus. This could look like committing to a covenant friendship, agreeing to regularly meet to be authentic and accountable as interconnected stones. We're busy. Covenant involves cost. Have you experienced community clarifying who you are? Let's pursue covenantal, authentic, tolerant relationships, whether in our life groups or ministry teams or those we regularly walk with or have coffee with. Why? Because our thoughts are not ours. Because we're subconsciously taking in information from our culture, sometimes our ideas from looking within and what our heart believes to be authentic can be off track. And if true authenticity means depending on God, our ideas and lives need to be tested by what God's word says and by others who believe God's authority over us. And also because our behavior is shaped by others. In Hebrews 10 verses 24 to 25 warns us to not give up meeting together so that we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. If Christianity is caught, we need others to intentionally mimic people in similar contexts to spur us on to live for Jesus in practical ways, at work, at school, as parents and friends. And finally, because we don't know ourselves that well. Discovering ourselves doesn't come from avoiding people, but letting others speak to our blind spots. Again, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 13. Encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Maybe in lockdown, without regular accountable community, excessive drinking or escalating conflict crept in. And the writer says regular, even daily community in Jesus prevents sin deceiving us as we have each other to show our blind spots. Jesus' community gives a 360-degree view and sometimes recognises that community has limits and encourages each other that greatest relationship is found looking up, to be intimately known, loved and defined by Jesus. We're created for relationships. Saved to be a people built on Christ. Relationships can be hard and stretching and withdrawing within is easier. 
But I pray that you experience the joy of being intimately known and loved in our community and find your true self. In Jesus' interconnected community, we desperately need each other. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.